from 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Second and goal. Caffrey's going to get it, and he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Best defense in the Mahomes era here. Second and goal. It's back to Pacheco. Pacheco drives across for the Chiefs' touchdown. Look for the pull-up. 22 in the quarter. Approaching the 40-point threshold. And efficient. 14 of 19. Five times in his career, 20-plus points, including tonight. Paint catch, Giannis hook shot. What touch. That's too deep. I actually fought for a little. That high ball screen. Roach with a dozen to lead the Blue Devils. Ingram, quick release, and he knocks down another one. Bellinger now with 19 home runs. Drives one in the air. Left center. This ball's got a chance. Go! Bellinger strikes again. This is a two-seamer running away, and there's no reason as a left-handed hitter to try to pull the ball today. And he just drives this one into the gap in left center, gets it up into the breeze, and Bellinger with his second bomb of the day. Payoff pitch. To have your first Major League walk-off a slam, are you kidding? It's only fitting for Junior. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, February 6th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. Super Bowl 58, who you got ATS? That is the week-long poll question at KDUS1060.com. Suns and Bucks, who wins tonight? North Carolina hoops, where does it stack up nationally? The Phillies. Would they be the NL West, or excuse me, the NL favorite, I should say, with Cody Bellinger? It's a possibility. It's out there. I'll get to that in a minute. Bobby Witt Jr., are the Royals jumping the gun with his long-term deal? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15, we'll talk North Carolina hoops and go around the ACC with uh, Aaron Beard of the Associated Press. 9-30 today, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060, also today's bottom line. And some local roundup stuff, including a Suns and Bucks preview. Then the final segment of the Sports Zone, it'll be the National Roundup. That'll include the latest line for Super Bowl 58. Rip from the headlines from the wire and time pending from uh, some college basketball, maybe some NBA scoreboard from last night. Right now, onto the pipeline we go. 
Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS. Let's try that again. But we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And the poll question this week is who you got in the Super Bowl, Kansas City plus two or the San Francisco 49ers minus two. Corey is here and has the early returns and the updated numbers. Yes, and it is evening out now. San Francisco, though, at 55%. Kansas City at 45%. KDUS1060.com. Okay, so that number yesterday when we uh, left the airwaves and the extra point was sitting at 63%, so down a little bit since the end of yesterday's show. The big news on Monday was the 49ers being unhappy with their UNLV practice facility. Kyle Shanahan on Monday night said, quote, it is what it is, end of quote, whatever that means. All right, today's ex-poll question do the homestanding Suns win tonight against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks? And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? Bucks leading 66.7%. Suns behind 33.3% on XKDUS AM 1060. The Bucks might be shorthanded in this game tonight. It's an NBA regular season game, so God forbid everybody on both teams would actually play. Uh, but I'll get to that at the bottom of the hour. The Suns play seven of their next ten games at home, but... The Suns, beginning tonight, have the NBA's toughest remaining schedule, according to winning percentages to date. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, North Carolina appears to be the class of the ACC. The Tar Heels have shared the ball on offense, and they've been significantly better on defense. Where does North Carolina stack up nationally, and why has the ACC declined in recent seasons? Meanwhile, Cody Bellinger may not re-sign with the Cubs. Frequent Sports Zone contributor Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported that the Phillies are a sleeper to sign to Bellinger. Of course, is a valid product. Would the Phillies be the best team in the National League if they signed Cody Bellinger? Bobby Witt hit the jackpot in Kansas City. The Royals reportedly signed the shortstop to a long-term deal worth $228 million over 11 years. Are the uh, Royals jumping the gun, signing the 23-year-old Bobby Witt to an 11-year contract? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio extravaganza. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x, uh, x dot, I, excuse me, I'll get this right. Someday I will do this. I really will. I do most days, but not this one. X.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. I was kind of sort of accurate there. If you uh, violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update that will be followed by some North Carolina and ACC hoops discussion. Aaron Beard scheduled to join us from the Associated Press. Carolina off the impressive victory on Saturday night in Chapel Hill over Duke. Uh, we'll cover uh, Carolina and Duke uh, in some detail with Aaron and get to a few other ACC items. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. 
general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, some bottom line answers from the pipeline questions that you just heard. And uh, time pending, we'll have at least some local roundup discussion topped by Suns and Bucks for tonight in downtown Phoenix. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD2 100.7. Downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude, Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Dude, come on. Love my Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7, the home of the Dan Patrick Show, Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. North Carolina was clearly the better team against Duke last Saturday night in uh, Chapel Hill. Out to the KDUS hotline go uh, to talk North Carolina and Duke and uh, some more ACC. We're now joined in the sports zone by Aaron Beard of the Associated Press. And Aaron, thanks for making time for us. Carolina now 10 and 1 in conference play, 18 and 4 overall heading into tonight's game against Clemson. What has impressed you the most about Uber Davis's season this year with Carolina? Well, I think there's two things that really stand out. One is chemistry. Uh, you know, you have everybody's got the portal they can sort of dabble in to figure out, okay, what's our weaknesses? What can we adjust? The overhaul they did in the offseason seems to have worked better than they probably could have almost hoped, right? Because, you you know, losing Caleb Love is not because he's a bad player or a bad guy. But if you think about the way North Carolina's offense runs, R.J. Davis is a guy who needs the ball in his hands. Caleb Love is a guy who needs the ball in his hands. So Caleb Love is out and thriving in Arizona. R.J. Davis is now playing at a first-team All-American level. Uh, Harrison Ingram proved the other night what a dazzling addition he's been for them in terms of his range to play all over the court. Cormac Ryan, they brought him from Notre Dame, a veteran, competitive guy, willing to play defense. There's a lot of things they've done well. The other thing, frankly, is defense. I, you know, the, you, When you talk North Carolina for years, it's always been the, the offensive sure. efficiency, the fast pace, run, run, run. And they're sitting here in the top ten of Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency. That's not a place they've been but a handful of times going back to Dean Smith's final year. Um, they defend well, they defend together, and they seem to communicate very well, which goes back to the, the chemistry part. Those are the things that have really sort of changed so much from last year when things went so wrong. You mentioned Ingram. Uh, yeah, We saw him out here when he was with Stanford. Uh, you know, I think it was. I thought he was the best all-around player on the floor Saturday against Duke. Uh, you know, he. We saw the skill set when he was at Stanford. He was obviously heralded, really heralded, coming out of high school. What What has he done specifically to uh, you know, maybe up his game, or why does this work so well? What works so well with him at Carolina so far? I. You know, the thing that got me the other night was just sort of. He was everywhere. It was like a heat-seeking missile. You know what I mean? It was like the ball goes on the floor, and he goes after it and flings the ball back to half court to save a possession that ends up with a three-pointer. He was shooting from outside, which is obviously a critical piece to this whole thing of North Carolina. When they went to the title game two years ago, they were able to stretch the, the the floor from, let's say, a forward position. They couldn't do it last year. Ingram hits five threes the other night. That's an example. 
Um, but, you know, the other thing is his rebounding has just been just at an incredible level right now. I believe it's five straight games with 13 or more rebounds. He had 19 at North Carolina State. That's the most by any UNC player ever in that rivalry. And that's a long-running wow. in-state rivalry <laughs> with big names like, you know, Tyler Hansbro and everything else. And a six seven guy did it. I think that tells you a lot about his energy and his motor, but also the attacking mindset he's playing with this year. You mentioned R.J. Davis, who's been one of the best offensive players in college basketball this year. How's his game evolved throughout his years in Chapel Hill? You know, he's always been a guy that you could watch and you could see almost, um, you know, that he had like a mid-range game. You know, he could shoot the three. He could score. There was a lot of situations where you might say he might be the better guy to sort of run the point when Caleb Love was there, maybe a little bit better decision maker. Um, right now, they've got it where Elliot Cadeau, a freshman they've brought in who's a terrifically gifted passer, is sort of running the point more with R.J. Davis playing off the ball, but R.J. is playing on the ball as well. His, his mid-range game is just is really incredible. I mean, he's hitting floaters and you know, contested shots off the dribble. Um, you know, the 36 he had um, the other week against Wake Forest, it was, it was the whole board of it, you know, attacking the rim. You know, he's a guy that he's six foot. If he was six four, people would talk more and more about him, like as an NBA prospect, let's say. But he's another one of those guys that you talk about competitive will, competitive urge. He seems to rise to those occasions. Um, and then, you know, the other thing, of course, is when you have a guy like that that's getting as much usage as he is, shooting three, attacking off the dribble, he's an elite free throw shooter. And that makes such a difference in today's game, too, when. All these we're seeing all across the country, unranked teams are beating ranked teams. You know, things go wrong. North Carolina's loss at Georgia Tech as a team, they didn't hit free throws that night. You know, the margins have gotten smaller. And when you have a guy that you can go to and say, here's a 90% free throw shooter, we can give him the ball, he can create, or he can get to the line and make it happen. That makes such a difference for a team. And it just feels like he has really blossomed uh, with this sort of being the guy that everybody looks to in that offense. What areas can Carolina improve upon, and, and uh, you know, you know, what, you know, what's the ceiling for them? Is it ceiling the national championship, or lower than that when we get to March and early April? You know, this is a question that myself and some of the other reporters that have been covering them this year have kind of asked ourselves because earlier when they when they started three and zero and four and zero in conference, you're kind of looking and the defensive numbers are really good, but. You, you haven't seen it from them in the past. So you're like, I don't know if this is, let's say, shot luck. You know, maybe they're getting fortunate with some of these, you know, bad three-point shooting nights by opponents. How much of that is on them versus, you know, their defense? But when you get to, you know, 9-1 and one and 10-1 and one and beating Duke where, you know, you're doing all these things well, like you start thinking, okay, this is who they seem to be. They seem to be a competitive, communicating uh, defense that sort of takes on that challenge that seems willing to defend. Um, they have better three-point shooting. I mean, if Cormac Ryan could get, you know, his stroke going a little bit more, that elevates their game more. Um, you know, they have an Armando Baycott as a fifth-year guy who everybody sort of said, well, he's taking a back seat this year. And then while Ingram was probably, I thought, the best player, like you said, against Duke, Baycott was dominant inside for long yeah. stretches of that game and, and, had, and got the best of Kyle Filipowski. You start going down that list and checking the boxes, you have a, gr a great perimeter score. You have a rangy forward that can shoot threes. You have a post presence. You play fast, and you're defending. And by the way, they still rebound really well. You start looking at that, and you're like, well, that, that's a recipe that can do a lot of things well come March. 
Aaron Beard of the Associated Press, currently in the Sports Zone. Okay, Duke, sixteen and five overall, seven and three in conference play. I've watched them multiple times this year. I'm not sure what I think. Aaron, help me out here. How would you evaluate Duke after 21 games? You're you're like I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what's funny is if you look back at last year and John Shire's first year. They were sitting, I think, as of you know the first week of February, they were about seventeen and seven, seventeen and eight, and then they went on a tear. They won their last six regular season games. They won the ACC tournament. They ended up with a bad matchup against a really physical Tennessee team with their most physical wing player, Mark Mitchell, out with a, an injury. But they they sort of figured it out some things out about this time. So I'm kind of looking at this saying, okay, is there that? sort of that kick that finishing kick from this group because i think from an upside standpoint you see a lot there kyle filipowski has expanded his game you know he's had surgery in the offseason on some hips on his hips to improve movement lateral movement being able to get a better defensive stance he's shown an ability to step outside and hit three pointers to expand his game tyrese proctor is a guy that you know is a, a potentially elite on-ball defender he has size at the point you know one of the problems they've had this year is the injuries have been problematic. Proctor missed multiple games with an ankle injury. Then Jeremy Roach was banged up. Then Mark Mitchell was banged up. They have had a degree of kind of one guy coming in and one guy coming out. I think that set them back a little bit. Right now, they are healthier, you know, at this point. But the North Carolina game was, a, you know, John Shire's takeaway from that was he didn't like their competitive edge is the way he described it. He said, North Carolina is really good. You can compete the way you need to and still lose. And we didn't compete the way we needed to in a game like this. And I think for some Duke fans, that may be a part where you look at you, that worries you a little bit. You know, is it just this team's makeup? Is it something they're working through that they got delayed piecing together as a unit because of injuries, one guy in and out of the lineup? Uh, that's a part that I think remains to be seen because when you watch them, again, the talent's there. They scored, you know, they dropped 84 points on a very good North Carolina defense. But they couldn't get a stop. North Carolina went roughly eight minutes in the second half of that game without missing consecutive shots. And you've got to be able to get stops. And you've got to get on the floor for loose balls like Harrison Ingram did in that game. Those were the things that John Shire was taking away. And that gets beyond the X's and O or even the individual talents of the guys, kind of like what you're saying. It's a little hard to pin down sometimes. Uh, also in the ACC, Virginia's now won seven in a row. They're 18-5 and five overall. Nine and three in conference play after their sixty to thirty-eight win over normally high-scoring Miami last night. I watched Virginia some in November and December and didn't think they were very good. Uh, this is—is is this just another Tony Bennett coaching job? Or is there more to it than that? Well, you know, the system is still there. You know, the defensive priority, the you know, the pack line kind of thought, concepts and everything that have worked well for them in the past. You know, Reese Beekman is a player that a lot of people like in terms of on the perimeter. Um, but, look, I mean, when you play Virginia, the long-standing challenge with them is they're going to make you defend most of the shot clock, and if you don't get a rebound, they're going to make you do it again. You know, And then when you're on the other end, it becomes hard to be patient enough to kind of continue to work against that constant defensive pressure. You miss one or two shots, it sort of – mounts on you at the other end like you know north carolina hasn't won in charlottesville and you know has gone long year, years without winning up there even with you know a team that won the national title in 2017 that couldn't score up there um you know so it's it's the kind of thing part of this is the formula with what virginia is doing but 
I think they've kind of begun to figure a few things out. You know, I mean, they got destroyed by Notre Dame, blown out by Wake Forest, who's, who's a good team, but Notre Dame is obviously not a great team. But since those games, you know, they've they've seemed to have kind of gotten some things together. They're holding teams. The Miami score is, you know, crazy with 38 points. But these other games, they're holding teams in the 50s and 60s again. And I think, you know, meanwhile, they lost to Notre Dame. They gave up 76. They lost to NC State. They gave up 76. You know, you start looking at that, you're like, okay, the defense is better, and they do have some pieces like a Reese Beekman that people like. The question with them is going to be, you know, are they going to have enough runway with, with the resume in the tournament to make the tournament? Because obviously one of the discussions everybody's having, how many bids is the ACC going to get? Virginia is on the trajectory to get there, but they're going to have to also finish strong and probably pick off one of these games against North Carolina or Duke potentially down the stretch. Talk with Aaron Beard of the Associated Press. Got a couple of quick things to end up with. Uh, first up, the ACC has declined, at least in depth, the last couple of years. Uh, why do you think that is? And also, of course, tonight it's UNC and Clemson and Chapel Hill. Clemson started, I uh, thought, pretty fast. Uh, not a greatest non-conference schedule. Maybe, that was, well, maybe that's why, but they've faded. Uh, Clemson has in the last few weeks, so... Uh, why is the ACC somewhat faded here as far as depth-wise in recent years, last couple years especially, and what should we look for tonight in Chapel Hill with uh, UNC and Clemson? I, I think it's a good question about the longer term about what's going on with the ACC. I, in some ways, you'd say, all right, you have two ranked teams in the top 25. That's not what you expect, both North Carolina and Duke. But, you know, you look out, you look out there and there's been – you know, the, the transfer portal has, you know, you've had a lot of talent come in, but you've had a lot of talent like a Caleb Love going to Arizona. There's a lot of talent going out. Um, you know, NIL, the, all the, the things that are going on, I think everybody's trying to sort out. But the ACC has just sort of, you, you lose Roy Williams, you lose Mike Krzyzewski, you, you lose Jim Behan. It is a little bit of a league in transition in that regard where things are changing. The face of the league is changing of, you know, teams, you know, coaches are getting younger. So, there may be a degree of some of that. I mean, the question I have with the ACC is, you know, there's not – how many wins are out there to really help some of these teams that are on the bubble, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Miami, even NC State, down the stretch? You know, other than North Carolina and Duke, you know, what else is out there? And that's where the Big 12 successes come in, where every game seems like it's a quadrant one game. There's not as many of those opportunities out there for these ACC teams to help themselves. Um, Clemson's a very good example, too, where – they beat Alabama this year. They beat TCU. They've still got to play at North Carolina tonight. They've still got to play at Wake as a quadrant one. But, you know, it's been a it's been a slog because, you know, there there is a fair amount of parity in the league right now. And remember too, Clemson was within one second of winning at Cameron. You know, they got it they got that game all the way down to the last second and lost on two free throws with one second left at Duke. Um, Clemson's been really close on a couple of things. So if I had to guess right now, I'm expecting right now four for the ACC, UNC, Duke, Clemson, and probably Virginia, assuming that trajectory holds. Um, you know, and again, tonight, this is an opportunity, a golden one for Clemson. You know, but they've only won one time in Chapel Hill ever, you know, and that was in 2020. So we'll see if Clemson has it. They certainly have a star big man in P.J. Hall who can really give problems to teams, but Armando Baycott clearly locked him down in the first matchup. So that's going to be a tough matchup for Clemson. 
So it's like one to one win for Clemson and Chapel Hill in like a million years, right? It's, yeah, it's some I, insane I believe it stat. Is one in sixty, I believe, is the record. Oh my! I knew it was terrible. I knew it was something like that. Okay, it's less than a million, but yeah, sixty's a lot. All right, Aaron, good stuff as always. I appreciate it. We will be checking in with you, I'm sure, a little later on uh, before the ACC tournament starts for sure. So thanks for the time. Okay, thanks for having me on. I enjoy talking news with you. Yeah, me too. Thanks much, and uh, good stuff from Aaron there. And uh, the ACC standings, uh, it's kind of a ball confusion to me for some extent. I mean, I like Carolina. How can you not like Carolina? I actually uh, a little more on Carolina in the next segment. Virginia is sitting at 9-3 and three now in conference play. I watched them, as I mentioned, with Aaron. I watched them early in the uh, you know, non-conference season, and I thought, my God, you know, they're not good. They didn't really you know, recruit after they won the national championship. What has happened? And now they kind of look like they usually look. Uh, maybe not as good offensively. Uh, they don't have the sharpshooters that they certainly had in that national championship team, but they're 9-3. and three. Duke, as I mentioned, seven and three. I have no idea what I think of them. Seven and four would be NC State, another team I'm pretty pretty confused about there. That uh, that's uh, you know, they've got some. They certainly have some good individual players. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why they haven't been more consistent. Wake Forest, I do like them offensively. They can score, and uh, as I've mentioned a couple of times during the extra point the last couple of weeks. I definitely think that Wake Forest, they're, if they get in the NCAA tournament, I don't think you want to play them because they can get hot. And uh, one game they can get hot and your team is done. Florida State, 6-4. and four, They're always better at this, as the season continues with Leonard Hamilton. Miami's a huge disappointment. They've had a lot of NCAA tournament success the last two years. Near the 38 points last night at Virginia was uh, baffling. Uh, you know, Jim Laranega was so upset, their head coach, that he didn't even participate in one of the huddles. There was actually some speculation after the game that maybe he was sick uh, and ill. Uh, but, you know, he was pretty you know, enthusiastic towards the end of the game. Yeah, Syracuse with Jim Beheim and now retired. And uh, yeah, Red Autry now the coach uh, in Pittsburgh. And uh, in Virginia Tech all sitting at five and six in conference play. Clemson, uh, they did now that those two conferences, the, the TCU and uh, the Alabama wins, and I should have included that with my Clemson ass- assessment there. But uh, they're, four, they're now 4-6 and six in conference, playing 14-7 and seven overall, and I'm not sure how good they are. Boston College, Georgia Tech, Boston College 4-6, and six, don't think much of them. Georgia Tech is an interesting team, obviously, with Damon Stoudemire, the former U of A player, the head coach. They've beaten Duke in North Carolina at home. Uh, certainly, they're building something there. They've got some good young freshmen. And then the two teams at the bottom of the ACC right now, Louisville, 2-9. and nine. Rick Pitino, obviously, uh, forced out of there with good reason, a, few, a lot of good reasons a few years ago, and uh, they've never recovered from that. But it's sad that Louisville, one of the best – in most consistent college basketball programs in my 66-year lifetime, they're really bad. I mean, really bad. And Notre Dame, Mike Bray, retired at the end of last year, and they're also really bad at 2-9. and nine. And uh, Louisville and Notre Dame tied for last. Usually those teams are like, you know, in the top five or six in this conference. 
I think that the, those two programs kind of typify the lack of depth that this conference has that we're used to seeing for many, many years. Next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, some bottom line answers from today's pipeline questions. In fact, we'll have all the bottom line answers for today's pipeline questions, except for the Super Bowl. We'll pick that game officially on Friday during the Friday spread in the extra point. And, uh, of course, that's hosted by Kayla. And uh, time pending in the next segment, we'll get to some local roundup stuff, a little bit on the Suns and the Bucks for tonight. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Before we move along here, and if you want to jump aboard, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. we got time for you in this segment if you'd like to participate. But before we do any of that, breaking news that involves the National League West. This is breaking news, not surprising news. There's a big difference. Uh, but within the last few minutes, it's been reported that Clayton Kershaw is going to uh, re-sign with the Dodgers or return to the Dodgers. He's officially a free agent. Also, Kershaw had shoulder surgery. When we last saw him, he was you know, not getting through the first inning of the playoffs against the Diamondbacks. And uh, you know, we remarked that uh, something was physically wrong with him. I'm not the only person that thought that. It was pretty obvious. And uh, he is off. He had season uh, off-season shoulder surgery. He's out. And I'm not exactly positive what the timetable is, but the <clears throat> the speculation was that he was going to miss at least half the season, no matter where he was pitching. There was some talk that he there's a, this talk every year that he might resign or go, excuse me might re, uh, go to the Rangers. He's from Texas. He's from the Dallas Fort Worth area, but. He's gonna go gonna gonna back to the Dodgers. All right, we'll get to your phone calls in just a second. First up, some quick bottom line answers from today's pipeline. Uh, our pipeline questions today. The uh, the KDUS.com poll question all week long is uh, the Super Bowl. Who covers uh, Kansas City plus two or the San Francisco 49ers minus two? Uh, that uh, number went from uh, 63% uh, yesterday. Uh, on the uh, on the Kansas City side to 55% today. We'll continue to update this throughout the week. We'll give you our answer to that question on uh, Friday during the uh, Friday spread in the extra point hosted by Kayla. As far as the uh, Suns and Bucks tonight, uh, who wins tonight? Well, it looks like the Bucks might be shorthanded. More on that in just a moment. I'll go Suns 125, Bucks 120. Let's just assume everybody's playing. Uh, both of these teams are bad on defense, and they have stars on offense. Hopefully the stars for the Bucks play tonight. Uh, but uh, one way or the other, uh, there's not going to be much defense played tonight in downtown Phoenix at the Footprint Center. Meanwhile, also in the pipeline today, where's North Carolina stack up uh, nationally? Uh, North Carolina, to me, the bottom line is no worse than the third-best team in the nation behind Connecticut and also uh, uh, Purdue. Uh, as far as a couple other uh, questions today, would the Phillies uh, be the best in the National League if they actually signed Cody Bellinger? Uh, reported by Bob Nightingale, friend of the program from USA Today yesterday, 
that the Phillies are now a long shot or they're a shot, uh, have a shot to uh, sign Bellinger. The Phillies, if they sign Bellinger to me, will be the NL team to beat in the postseason if Cody Bellinger is healthy entering the postseason. The Royals, are they uh, jumping the gun with their long-term contract with uh, 23-year-old Bobby Witt Jr.? The bottom line, the Royals, they have an elite offensive player in Witt, but he's not an above-average defender, certainly at shortstop. Right now, he's more like a third baseman, second baseman, or corner infielder at age 23. I'm guessing he's not going to get better at uh, the shortstop position, so I'd assume fairly soon he'll be playing a corner uh, corner corner or a second base spot okay uh rob give me a call back we'll get to you real quick real quick here if you want to give us a call back i know you're on hold there uh my apologies i didn't get to you quicker there but i needed to get in that bottom line meanwhile the suns tonight begin a stretch of uh, seven of their next 10 games at home against the bucks also the suns based on the nba one loss records to this season at uh, this season to date i should say they have the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. Milwaukee is 33-17. and 17. They dropped a third in the Eastern Conference last night. Uh, meanwhile, the Suns are sitting at 29-21. and 21. That is sixth in the Western Conference. You do not want to drop lower than sixth uh, in either conference because if you're in that 7-10 through 10 position, you're going to have to play in the play-in round. You want to avoid that ent- entirely possible. As far as just this game tonight, quickly, uh, the Bucks, the Suns apparently are healthy, quote unquote. Their main guys are expected to be there, but the Bucks, well, their four best players are listed as either day to day or out for tonight's game. Listed as day to day are Giannis, uh, also Damian Lillard and Chris Middleton, and out at least as of yesterday, uh, Brooke Lopez. Uh, he was away because of a personal issue. Hopefully he comes back, and hopefully the uh, guys that are listed as day-to-day are all playing tonight against the Suns. All right, Rob and Mason, what's going on, Rob? Uh, my phone dropped a call. I'm up here in Scottsdale doing some Ubers for the golf tournament. I'm sorry about that. Um, I was calling about the Cody Bellinger. I actually think that Blake Snell would be a better fit for the Phillies to get in that National League race because I think – the Dodgers and the Braves are going to be the top offensive teams. And so they would be trying to compete with the Braves in that division. The thing that Bellinger does give them is a A-plus defensive player wherever you put him. And I know people don't look at that, but that you know could save a run or two a game and help him. But I, I don't know. I, I get this feeling that Blake Snell is at the point where he's not going to get what he wants. So he's going to have to figure out what he's willing to take. And and I think Philly would be a good place to go to be on a winning team, well, a presumably winning team, and get back in the playoffs and hopefully uh, pitch in some meaningful games. Okay, I can go both ways on this. Uh, I, I understand your theory there. You know, first up, and you know, the Blake Snell is a you know, even though he's won two Cy Young awards, I wouldn't say he's a polarizing pitch, uh, you know, pitcher. But there's a lot of different opinions about him. You know, he until last year rarely went deep into games. He did more so last year when he was with San Diego and Bob Melvin was the manager there. Uh, but I think the Phillies actually have really good pitching to begin with. Um, you know, certainly with Wheeler, 
you know, the anchor of their uh, you know, rotation. I'm not as high on Aaron, Aaron Nola as some other people are, but he's still a you know, solid number two on a good team. You know, Suarez, I think, is a really good pitcher, especially since they've improved their infield defense over the last couple of years. And Suarez is a ground ball machine. I actually think the Bellinger would be a really good fit, though, for the Phillies. Uh, you know, they needed another bat last year. We saw them against the Diamondbacks in the postseason. They certainly had the guys at the top. We, you know, Harper was you know really good in the playoffs last year. Yeah, Trey Turner had that terrible start last year, kind of uh, probably putting a lot of pressure on himself after the big contract, but he was very good by the end of the year. Castellanos was awful last year, and he was almost an automatic out uh, once the Diamondbacks got to him. I believe he had a one-for-20 stretch in that that playoff series against the Diamondbacks. If they could get Bellinger, I think that would be tremendous. Uh, You know, obviously, as you mentioned, he's a good center fielder. He could also play first base, and he's a good first baseman too. But, you know, if I have Bellinger and he's healthy, I don't want to waste his athleticism by putting him at first base. Uh, But uh, I I actually think it's a really good fit for Philadelphia. And if he's healthy when the playoffs start, and that's a legitimate question because he's unfortunately not been healthy throughout a whole lot of seasons here of late from start to finish, uh, I think the Phillies would be a team that I would actually pick to win the National National League at that point ahead of the uh, Braves, who I'm still not sure if they have enough pitching. And I don't know what to make of the Dodgers other than they're going to score 100 runs a game. They might give up you know, more than we've seen in the past because I'm not sure about their pitching staff. I agree with that. I'm totally about the Dodgers. Uh, another question, I'm not, I, who, who's the closer in Philly now that Kimbrell's gone? Uh, that's a that? good question. It might be Alvarado, but I think that's something to be determined in spring training. You know, Corcoran was a guy they brought up late last year, and he had some very good moments in the postseason. Uh, so, yeah, but they've got uh, four or five bullpen arms at least uh, that can certainly you know fill out the late innings. You know, I actually think it's a addition by subtraction because Kimbrel was obviously a big negative for them by the end of the year, and he was you know, pretty much useless and lost a couple of games. Uh, you know, contributed to losses in the Diamondback series. Yeah, we're going to get into some baseball for sure starting next week once we uh, get the Super Bowl out of the way. We can kick the football season to the curb, so to speak, even though I'm really not kicking it to the curb because uh, football drives the talk sports talk radio industry, and I fully appreciate that. But I'm also usually pretty relieved on uh, like Tuesday morning when I'm kind of moving on to the rest of the world. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rob. Always good talking to you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. Have a good one. Good luck with the Uber uh, situation there. That sounds like a fun time. And uh, the uh, the uh, Phoenix Open or the Waste Management Open. My bad. I need to be nice to those waste management people because they're the ones that uh, they actually do our uh, you know trash service here in the apartment complex I live in. So yeah, waste management. I'm all for it. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with uh, uh, Corey. Excuse me. Uh, Got Cody on the brain with Cody Bellinger. uh, With Corey, followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone with the National Roundup. That will include the latest line update for Super Bowl 58. 
Here's a little teaser. It's the same as it was since last Tuesday uh, as far as the consensus numbers go. Uh, also, we'll get to some rip from the headlines and time pending uh, some uh, college uh, college basketball scoreboard and maybe NBA from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Aaron, Bur- uh, Aaron Beard, excuse me, of the Associated Press. We talked uh, North Carolina, Duke, and uh, some ACC basketball uh, with Aaron on Wednesday at 10.15. In fact, the next three days, starting tomorrow at 10:15, in that segment, it'll be uh, Super Bowl previews. Tomorrow, we'll uh, preview the Niners side of things with Matt Mayoko, our longtime sports zone guest from NBC Sports Bay Area. On Thursday, it'll be Matt Derrick uh, from T- uh, Chief Digest, and then on Friday, we'll get a national dude, and we'll preview the game in general on Friday's Sports Zone. Sound today, courtesy of Fox, CBS. 3TV, Bally Sports Southwest, ESPN, WSCR, the uh, Cubs flagship station in Chicago, KCSP, the Royals flagship station, and also Bally Sports North. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, you know, let's get, uh, get to a little let's get to a little national roundup here. Let's start with the latest line for Super Bowl 58. It remains unchanged. It really hasn't moved as far as a consensus number since a week ago to, uh, week ago today. The 49ers remain two-point favorites, total sitting at 47.5. I will say that uh, for a second straight day, the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas, a high-volume, high-handle sportsbook, uh, they have the 49ers a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Chiefs. Meanwhile, rip from the headlines and from the wire, kind of a combination of things here. Big news this morning uh, from the NBA, the Sixers' Joel Embiid underwent knee surgery. Reportedly, he'll be reevaluated in four weeks. Uh, so we'll see what's uh, happening with the Sixers at that point. You know, last I looked, which was yesterday and before last night, uh, they were fifth in the Eastern Conference. Around the NFL, Jay Harbaugh, who is the son of now Chargers head coach Jim Harbaugh. Jay is now the new Seahawks special teams coach. Uh, around Major League Baseball, the Yankees and the, uh, and the Dodgers, uh, you know, they, they, they actually made a rare trade on Monday. Uh, the key piece was uh, Caleb Ferguson, the relief pitcher, going from the Dodgers to the Yankees. The Yankees need some left-handed bullpen help, so that will take care of that. Little heard through the grapevine here from the NFL. Bo, uh, Bo Nix drew kind of just wildly mixed reviews last week at the uh, Senior Bowl. Uh, he, I've seen him ranked as the second best quarterback there. I saw him ranked as the seventh of the eight quarterbacks participating. So I would say that falls into the wildly mixed review category. Meanwhile, the Cowboys' next defensive coordinator might be Mike Zimmer who was the Cowboys' defensive coordinator back in the day under Bill, uh, Bill Parcells. Of course, Zimmer, most recently, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He's been out of the NFL for a couple years now. Le'Veon Bell, speaking out of the NFL for a few years, says he wants to return from retirement next season, but he wants to play only for the Steelers next year. 
they already have a couple of running backs there. Uh, meanwhile, from the NBA, there's talk of a Bucks and Mavericks trade. The trade deadline is on Thursday. Talk of a possible trade between the Bucks and the Mavericks involving Bobby Portis and Grant Williams. Bobby Portis and the Bucks, at least for now, the Bucks are they're here tonight against the Suns. And for Major League Baseball, the Giants may still sign free agent, uh, you know, outfielder designated hitter Jorge Soler. Uh, who the Diamondbacks, in my opinion, should have signed instead of Jock Peterson, but Solaire commanding much more money for than Peterson got here, so I assume that's why the Diamondbacks did not sign him. Meanwhile, quickly from college basketball last night, Kansas State won the uh, Sunflower State battle. Tyler Paler, uh, Perry was a very good scorer. Uh, at eight of his 26 points in overtime last night, Kansas State beat Kansas 75-70. to uh, Kansas had lost its last. Kansas State, excuse me, had lost its last uh, four games before last night, so they needed that win badly. Kansas State is six and zero in overtime this season. Also last night, the Clippers won a shootout against the Hawks, 149 to 144. Kawhi Leonard still playing well and still healthy. Knock on wood. And then uh, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, they're good. They're really good. Uh, they've won a league best night. They're a, a league best record, 19 and four record since December the 16th. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Check, use that number on your with your friends today and get a lunch from them or something. All right, that's it for today's local programming. We'll return tomorrow. Sports Zone from 10 to 11. The extra point hosted by Kayla from 11 to 1. This has been the Sports Zone. Thanks for listening.